Hello, I'm Finn. I'm Isaac. And this is Autistic License, the podcast where we talk about topics around about our autistic lives. And try not to ramble. So without further ado, welcome to the episode. Last time we talked about just the general definition of autism, how it's developed through the history and our sort of thoughts of that. And we kind of figured that this episode, we'd make things a little bit more personal. So talk about our our own sort of experience with it, just so you get to know us a little bit better. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just as Isaac said, um, we're just going to be talking a bit about ourselves. Um, I'm looking forward to it. And obviously, um, hopefully, if anyone feels um, similar feelings to how we felt or it helps you kind of come to terms with your own situations, then brilliant. And if not, then um, just sort of listen in and enjoy hearing us chat rubbish basically yeah so i I think the the first thing to point out or at least make clear about the both of us is that we were diagnosed at a later stage than um most people would because normally um if you know what to look for then signs of autism usually sort of develop um obviously quite early on um in the in the toddler stage um and we we both were weren't diagnosed until uh well i, I certainly wasn't diagnosed until in into my 20s yeah i was um, diagnosed about mid-teens kind of 15 to 16 i think around about then yeah um, um i think yeah. i was about 2021 yeah maybe uh not the year the the age yeah um, um yeah, but I think what's also quite interesting that I can want to sort of bring up to spot on this note is that I think there's there's quite a few of my peers and sort of people that I know who who also kind of have high functioning autism or Asperger's or or, or whatever um, sort of the listeners um, call themselves, um, and um, I find I've sort of found that um, that there's there's quite from my experience anyway there's quite a few sort of people who I, I will probably reference high functioning because that's that's why that's what I call myself um, yep. so sort of high functioning um, um, autism um, or high functioning autistic people that get diagnosed quite late um, so yeah I think maybe a possible sort of future podcast that is currently um, non-existent we might go more into depth about the reasons for that and then so if you're interested in that then let us know but um but I, I just I just found that quite interesting. I, I don't know if you have something to say on that, Isaac. Or... Um, no, not not particularly. Um, I mean, I'm I'm still kind of navigating the world myself. Yeah, um, yeah, totally. Years, couple of years on. Yeah, and um, I'm still mostly focusing on myself. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so yeah, I don't think I have anything to add to that. Yeah. So, um, basically, to start off with, um, it's probably best to give a little bit of context around the context that we're trying to provide so to speak so yeah so so basically like i said um autism is typically diagnosed uh when it starts presenting itself um which is um sort of around the the age uh of i can't remember exactly off the top of my head it's around the age of two um Mm sort of two three years old when the the child uh starts 
experiencing um, or displaying more um, difficulties with with socialization in particular is usually sort of how it's picked up on. Um, but yeah, in in my case, it was it, we we didn't really pick up on any of that. We always kind of knew that I was a little bit more, I suppose, sensitive would be the words my parents would use. Um, and yeah, we, we kind of just put it down to that just being me, so to speak, uh, which it was, but obviously now we know the reason for that. Yeah. Um, but it didn't really start becoming an issue until uh, I would say high school. Um, obviously I did have trouble with my peer group in primary school, but a lot of that was uh, down to the fact that I wasn't I wasn't part of the group in in uh, in primary school. I'd I'd come from outside. I'd um, I wasn't really from the area. I didn't really know anyone when I moved in. So we kind of just chalked it down to that. But in high school, it wasn't until sort of the major deadline started hitting that I really started to struggle for apparently no reason. Mm. Um. And it kind of just grew from there. So it ended up that I went, I went to college in Perth to study sound, sound design. Um, and it, we had exactly the same problems. I, well, I had exactly the same problems that I had in, um, in high school. So a lot of that was down to uh, a lack of understanding uh, of, of the work. It's not that I didn't understand um, the the actual sort of the the theory and the the practicality behind things it was more just the the specifics of what needed to be handed in um so whether that was like uh, an essay or a piece of practical work things like that how it was to be handed in or what they were specifically looking for um and it was at that point that we kind of started to realize that that was the there was a clear barrier there um it wasn't that I was not paying attention. It wasn't that I wasn't listening, but there, there appeared to be a, a, an external barrier that I wasn't able to get through. And that is when we started realizing that, hang on, maybe there's, there's some underlying reason for that. And I would have been about, um, would have been about 19 or 20 at that point when I started thinking about it. Um, and unfortunately we'd, um, We'd made note to the GP. We'd we'd said that that's something we'd like to investigate, and it wasn't actually until two years later, I think, that I was actually able to go through the diagnostic process, because um, that was 2017, I believe. Went through the diagnostic process, so that was kind of my my journey um, yeah. through things. Obviously, like a bit of a generalization, I can go into more detail. As, as things come up but that's yeah, the sort of rough yeah, general totally. general journey of my sort of thought process of things yeah cool um just while you're sort of talking about that there um i've just done a very quick google search um and it says that uh on the great uh this is kind of like a semi sort of nhs site it looks like um on the great um ormond street hospital for children they sort of say it's it's you're basically right, Isaac. It's a sort of on this sort of onset of autism. Um, it's usually sort of apparent around about sort of 
three years of age um obviously that is there is very dependent on the individual so yeah. it can it can be up to older but i think you know that's when when you can start sort of see signs of it but um but yeah um like i say we we can go more into depth about that in another podcast but i just thought i'd quickly sort of yep. research that while you were sort of telling us that story but yeah um so i guess with me um yeah so I think what's things for me, um, I um, was also diagnosed, I was diagnosed quite early on in my life with um, DCD, um, which is developmental and coordination disorder. Um, the sort of way that I always sort of had it explained to me as a kid and the way that I always explained it as a kid, it's, it's obviously a little bit more complex than, um, than this, but um, is that sort of in P2, I'd be doing P1 work, if that makes sense. So it, so it basically it just sometimes would take me longer to grasp things and take me longer to sort of get things. So I always was kind of in the support system um, for that. Um, and my mum, when I've talked to her about things, I think she always also knew that I maybe had something else, but I was never able to be picked up um, for it um, until around about uh, my mid-teens, as I said. So I was about sort of, 14 when I started getting really sort of serious um, social anxiety um, that was quite sort of unhealthy um, and I sort of started getting sort of intrusive thoughts and all that stuff um, and so as a result I kind of went through um, this sort of children's mental health um, sort of system to try and see what was wrong with me and then that's when I was sort of diagnosed at sort of 15, 16. I can't remember the exact age but I know it was around about then hmm. um, and yes, I was diagnosed. Um, the terminology that, that they used um, was of high functioning autism. Um, yeah, so so that's kind of what uh, that's kind of my sort of story. Um, I think in general, I think I've I think I've been very lucky with the support that I've had. I think I've always um, I think my parents um, were sort of very good at sort of making sure that haven't obviously because they knew that I had developmental problems anyway um, not necessarily to do with autism um, it meant that I was able to be put into sort of schools you know they looked at sort of schools that had good support systems and stuff um, which obviously sort of benefited during that time when I was um, going sort of through it um, so yeah I mean that's kind of my story by my sort of context um, yeah, I mean, there's actually one thing that I want to say, which we might use as a segue, Isaac. I don't know. It depends if you can segue from this. But um, one thing that I think I've heard is my sort of family talk about, my mum talk about, was that she had to teach me eye contact um, when I was very little. And I think I find that very interesting because at that point I wasn't diagnosed as autistic. Mm. Um and also, I think something that comes up a lot when I talk to people about autism um, and my autism, they sort of say, or, you know, the, the idea of eye contact has come up in conversations when I talk about that. And I find that quite interesting about how, because I think it depends on circumstance. Sometimes eye contact can be, you know, difficult, I think, you know, um, but not to the same extent as that kind of stereotypical eye contact is. Um, yeah, and I, I, I just thought I'd share that because I find that quite interesting this idea that my mum kind of taught that out of me and I wonder if that's yeah 
um, not in well, a bad way, but well, uh, yeah, that, that's actually a really good thing because one of the things I, I was wanting to say was that I think one of the reasons why I slipped under the net for so long is down to the fact that because my parents knew that there were some things that I struggled with more than others, my parents always sort of helped me through it and we, we found ways and means of dealing with with certain problems. Yes, yeah. And that's that's part of parenting any child. Oh yeah. I mean yeah, my, my, my brother yeah. and, and my sister went through went through similar things. Obviously, well, my brother isn't on the spectrum. Um but um, I, I won't get into anything else along yeah. those lines. But um, so yeah, for, for my parents, that was just parenting, and I'll yeah, I'll never yeah, never put yeah. never mark them down for that. No, no um, but I think not. that is one of the reasons why I slipped under the net so long, mm-hmm. was because they taught me so well. Yeah. Um, it wasn't yeah. until I got to a point where I, I the world had always adapted to me up until that point because in primary yeah. school obviously things are very sort of focused on on the child and taking care of the child yeah yeah but it wasn't until the more independent years of high school where i started needing to adjust to the world mm-hmm. that th- it, it became apparent that there was some sort of issue um yeah yeah so so yeah that, that's definitely something that i think is is very um important to mention mm-hmm. um so in in terms of um in terms of specifics i guess um the the sort of in i suppose now now would be a, a good idea to sort of maybe talk about hindsight as well it's like we've, we've kind of yeah, yeah. talked about the, the progress that we went through to to get to the sort of diagnostic diagnostic progress but sort of like obviously now a lot of things make sense in hindsight mm-hmm. um and in high school in particularly um i think that the reason i wasn't really offered support was because i i I was doing the work to a very high standard when i did the work um and i i think there was there was an element there of you know you it's it's that classic thing isn't it it's that you're you're smart why aren't you doing things yeah yeah you know, it's totally. it's like not to blow my own horn or anything but like it's that idea of you know you can if you put your mind to it you can you can do really well but i don't think enough people realize that there was an issue with the whole putting putting my mind to it sort of thing yeah yeah i think um just sort of go off of that um, I think kind of my experience of sort of school and that sort of area of things, um, because I was sort of in the support system because I did have difficulties with, you know, that side of things, just in general, this is even before I was diagnosed with autism. Um, I was sort of put into the kind of lower English groups and the lower maths groups, um, which I stayed in. Um, I, stayed, I stayed in the lower maths groups all, all the way through high school um because unfortunately i am not um rain man as much as i would love to be but uh we'll get to that topic on another time probably um but yeah so um but i think i remember um coming home from school some sometimes in my sort of early sort of high school years um and like being like really sort of annoyed at 
the support classes because obviously, and, and this is by no fault of the education system or the way things are, it's just the way that it happens. But I was with sort of kids that maybe had behavioral, behavioral problems or more sort of, you know, who couldn't apply themselves in the same way that I want to apply myself and oh, that I want to apply myself, sorry. Um, and so I've kind of, so I kind of got quite irritated by that, um, uh, that kind of constant disturbance um, that was going on. But then I think what was, what's interesting about my journey through sort of high school is that, again, not to sort of toot my own horn and to sort of, um, which I kind of feel like I'm doing a little bit, but um, sorry, I just need to deal with it. Um, but um, is, um, is that um, I sort of left um, school with an advanced higher in English, despite the fact that I started out in this supported sort of lower group. Yeah. And it was mainly because I applied myself when it came to the examinations years, you know, I did a national five in English and then I did a higher in English and then I did advanced higher. And what was really good about my school and my support team um, was that they, they kind of learned with me how to, co- how I should cope with that, um, which we can, you know, get into now, we can get into sort of a, li- a little bit later, but, you know, so for example, for my national five, I had a breakdown and I couldn't really complete the, you know, I think it was my prelim. I, I, I had a, a relatively big breakdown because of stress and it meant I couldn't complete it. So then, so then we campaigned so I could get breaks in that exam room. Um, and by the end of it, if, if I was to describe my exams to you, you'd probably think, wow, Finn, that is the most easygoing exam that you could possibly have and probably really unfair but actually it's what I needed um so yeah um yeah I I don't know if you have a sort of similar experience to that also um I I think where where our experiences differ is that um like you said because because you already had an inkling of Mm -hmm. of um of something yeah you actually had that support thing in place but I I think It's interesting that you bring up having a meltdown because when I sort of first started thinking about it, that was one of the doubts in my mind was like, you know, well, I've I've heard that autistic people have meltdowns and I've never had a meltdown. But that was in my, that was in my mind. Um, That was very much something that had stuck in my mind. And I realized quite quickly, actually, that if I had had a meltdown at school, someone would have picked up on it. But going back to the thing that I was saying about the way my parents had raised me, I wouldn't show any signs of um, like any, any blatant signs of stress or um, anxiety mm. until I got home. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. So I can, I can uh, there are, that. there yeah. are quite a few points where looking back, it was like, yes, that was, that was quite clearly a meltdown. Yes, um, yes. but it was at home in a confined environment where my parents could help. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I think that's that interesting thing. Having said that, like my parents taught me so well, um, I think that there weren't enough people for me to pick up on, or at least not enough people picked up and connected the dots between the problems I was having. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause that was something 
that was something that I will very much say was a fault of the school I went to. I'm not going to name any names because, yeah, I, I don't think it's fair to. Um, yeah. But in the high school I went to, teachers did not talk to each other. Very, mm. very rarely did they talk to each other. Um, it, if they did, it was usually just, oh, Isaac hasn't done this yet. Please tell him to do this immediately. Um, yeah. And also quite a few of the teachers I get were very hard to just talk to about issues I have. Um, I mean, my maths teacher was horrendous for that. Um, and that that kind of added to that anxiety, obviously, of, of dealing with these people in authority um, who didn't speak to each other. Because I didn't know, I was too busy stressing about what I was going through without even having to worry about what was and wasn't going on behind their scenes. So I, I couldn't connect those, I couldn't connect those dots but they weren't connecting the dots either. So yeah, yeah I, I think totally. that's one of the reasons why, why I, I um, was diagnosed after I left yeah. um, high school. Yeah, no, I think, I think, yeah, I think there's, there's a little bit of similarity there in the sense that when I was sort of going through my sort of I guess what I would sort of call my sort of anxiety period where I was sort of dealing with this sort of intense anxiety. Um, I I would also kind of, I, it would depend on how I'm feeling. I think as I got more used to the fact that I had anxiety, I told my friends, I was able to let go a little bit more. Um, but when it came down to it, um, I was very much the same, especially at the start of it would happen at the end. And I think in, in a lot of ways it's 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 almost like it's it's almost like you I was at least of I'll sort of talk from my perspective sort of I was sort of needing to to let go of the day and to let go of the fact that oh that person sort of you know told me to sort off um, being polite um, but in a jokey way but I wasn't sure if it was a jokey way. Yeah. And that type of thing happening and building up. Um, and that for me kind of created a source of anxiety that maybe led to by the end of the day, I was, you know, I was, I was gone. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I think, I think for me, um, sort of, I, I developed um, a bit of a lack of, well, I say a bit, a, sin a sincere lack of trust in the teachers. Um, mm. And because I, I, I needed, I, I couldn't, I, as much as I talked to my guidance teacher and again, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to put um, any sort of negative connotations towards this guy because he was, he was doing his job. He's yeah. doing what he could. And obviously I understand that there are a lot of, sort of privacy things and he can't straight up just ask, do you think you have a problem? A lot of it was very much the standard. Is there an issue at home? Are there people bullying you sort of thing? It's like, well, no. But the problem yeah. was I could never find the words to explain how I felt mm. and to explain what I needed. And with with the teachers, particularly again, going back to this this particular maths teacher, I, I couldn't find, I, I just lost so much trust in her because there was, there was this lack of understanding between the two of us that I couldn't go into maths every lunchtime to catch up 
because although I was drastically behind in maths I, and not necessarily drastically behind in, say, physics, there was, I still needed to make that time to go into physics to un, still, you know, work with the stuff that I was struggling with in there. So I didn't get as behind as I was in maths. And I think that distinct lack of trust moved on to, um, moved on with me um, into my sound, uh, sound production course. Mm. Um, and because of that, I think that's, that's kind of why that the cycle sort of started again for me. It yeah. was basically an identical reboot, um, of, I, I couldn't talk to my lecturers because I'd spent five and a half years trying to explain my way out of scenarios to the best I could, but just not being listened to. Yeah. Um, and I was just so used to that that I, d I didn't think twice about about the fact that it might be different. Yeah. And then I obviously think... I, I I ended up leaving that course, and that's like I say when when we realised that there was a very big problem that that sort of was was underlying. So. Yeah, I think what's kind of really interesting about kind of what what you were kind of talking about there and kind of sort of looking at the sort of deeper meaning of that um, is. At least what I got from it was this idea of uh, how important diagnosis can be, um, and and in in my experience, um, and I think kind of talking to you kind of off the podcast and stuff, I think you have a similar experience. But correct me if you're wrong, um, Isaac. But it's kind of um, it's very much like I kind of see sort of diagnosis as a word. Um, and and it has core function so it's not necessarily i'm saying oh i'm like this person that that you know but by but by saying i'm autistic i'm on the autistic spectrum i'm high function you know i'm a high function autistic however you say that you're it, it gives you meaning and it and yeah. by giving yourself meaning it gives the rest of the world meaning um yeah so like, I guess an example being that I've now got very skilled at dropping sort of things into conversations. I'm, I'm very sort of skilled at if you if you know me for sort of more than a week or more than two weeks, I probably would have dropped into a conversation somewhere that I'm autistic somehow, somewhere. Yeah. Um, and I think for me personally, I think I, I kind of do that naturally, but also I do that so that they can associate it's it's about yeah. it's, it's about association um and then obviously as they get to know me they might get to know that oh well actually a lot of the time you know you don't act autistic or well i, I well i don't really like that phrase but <laughs> but from 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 their point of view um you know i'm you know maybe a little bit more high function or i don't need as much from them as maybe some other people um yeah with the sort of um condition um sort of do um but i but i do feel like it's an important tool i think diagnosis um whether or not you agree with the kind of ins and outs of the politics yeah. uh well the politics i don't really know if there's very much politics but you get what i mean isaac hopefully you yeah. can yeah uh, yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so very much do um yeah. and i i think there there are other reasons as well um that I, I know a lot of people are are happy to self-diagnose. Mm -hmm. And I, I think self-diagnosis really does have its value because yeah. there are people I know, people 
close to me that I know that since I was diagnosed have started to wonder if they are, yeah. but they're at a point in their lives where it's, they've, they've been living with it for so long that they don't need an official diagnosis because they know, they know what their limits are. They know how, how to deal with, with what they, they struggle with. Yeah. Um, so, so self-diagnosis does, does very much have its place, but I also think yeah. that for me, there was also an element of, I needed to know exactly yeah. what yeah. was wrong mm-hmm. because I, I remember, and this is, um, this might be getting into a little bit of uh, a miserable territory, but I remember having left the, the HNC in sound production. Um, I spent a year looking for jobs before I, before I moved on to the, the acting course um and i remember one of the one of the earliest things i had or i was doing in that year uh was an interview for asda um and i remember i i'd, I'd gotten ready I'd, I'd left the door and i hadn't made it maybe 20 feet down the street when the anxiety kicked in mm. and it was at that point that i started to think that it was such a such a, a loud form of anxiety that i i genuinely started to think that i might have been schizophrenic because oh, yeah yeah i've, I've experienced the, that yeah. the, the the anxiety turned turned into so many voices there were so many thoughts going yeah. on that it was impossible to distinguish between mm-hmm. what i was so i i think that was it was good to know that um that, yeah it was definitely a moment of clarity and it was it was good to know that that was something that yes i i would i would experience but it wasn't something else if you see i mean not yeah yeah it's it's hard to explain but like it's it was that thing of it was yeah yeah i was i was it was almost that thing of i was i was starting to make false assumptions and wrong assumptions that could have been catastrophically inaccurate yeah Um, i mean yeah i think kind of on that vein i think i've had a very sort of similar um experience in the sense that um i too sort of what i sort of i guess now call um sort of intrusive thoughts um yeah and that was kind of the 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 sort of term that has been used with me and i think it's quite a good term um at least from my understanding people around me um and i remember so I was obviously, like I was saying, I was coming home, like, really anxious and, you know, really mentally distraught. And I remember at one point it got to a point where I felt I had to tell my mum that I was hearing voices. Um, and she obviously was quite sort of serious about that. She was like, are you sure? And then that's when I started to sort of go sort of through the school. I talked to the sort of school counsellor and then the school counsellor referred me. And that's kind of how I went down the sort of system and where I sort of got my sort of sort of psychological sort of I don't know exactly what they're called um but the sort of tests that um eventually led to my sort of autism um test sort of um diagnosis um but I think but I think one thing that I think is important uh to note about this sort of story uh is that one thing that was referred to me um by the sort of um by the sort of um doctors and stuff um and again you know i'm not a sort of professional so 
Um, but one thing that was sort of told to me was that a lot of people kind of hear voices and that's not necessarily in the way of in that sort of sense in the sense yeah. of you know serious mental illness or well serious mental illness but in you know because i think when we hear that people hear voices we think of schizophrenia because that's yeah. one of the things that we go to yeah um but like, I, I think yeah. because obviously we we've we've not ex- people who haven't experienced it have very difficult times trying to understand it yeah uh, although I, I think to an extent there is there is that degree of you can imagine what a hallucination might sound like or look like um yeah yeah i mean i think but obviously it's yeah i mean i think because I, I don't really want to necessarily sort of step sort of too deeply into this territory yeah. because it's not something that i personally have sort of experienced but, but i think yeah, yeah. but but I think it is, for me anyway, I think the, like what, like what you were saying, this idea that there's so many voices that are speaking in your head and so many thoughts that are distant, sort of distant thoughts or intrusive thoughts, um, that, that it does feel like sort of other, I, I want to say personalities, but I don't think personalities are the right I words, think, but other I versions think of yourself. The yeah. way that I would describe it is, that a lot of it was what a lot of it i was i was subconsciously hearing in other people's voices right uh, okay, it was yeah. it was what i thought they were talking about me so that's why it felt like why it felt the way it did mm-hmm. at the time and i, I think yeah. that's that's probably why it was yeah yeah i mean i think in my experience it was more just kind of like it was thoughts but they didn't feel like my voice they were different Mm. sort of it wasn't the same persona yeah um and um and i think for me what was particularly interesting was that i could kind of place where they were Mm. so like so like i knew that that the negative thought and i'm calling them thoughts now because um i don't want to use the term voice um because yeah. it does have those connotations um unfortunately because like i was saying i think you know um sometimes it happens but um but but yeah so i think you know i was able to sort of place those and i think that idea of being able to feel where they are was quite confusing as well but also i think that was mainly just me um that was just how i perceived it almost consciously i don't really think it has a relation to it um in the sense that they were directly coming from those points but that's how i imagined it um but yeah i think it's um it's kind of interesting i think how we've kind of both sort of gone through that and kind of this idea of sort of thoughts that are so prominent that they feel like like they feel like other things um and i think yeah um but sort of like I say, you know, um, I'm sort of trying to sort of step around that sort of cautiously because um, I don't want to um, sort of imply anything or say anything that would yeah. sort of uh, offend sort of other communities and stuff. But yeah, yeah. So um, it's a, a bit of a, a deeper 
yeah um, so yeah a, a deeper tangent, tangent than, than yeah. we intended deeper in in um a few ways i think um yeah definitely but so now, now that we've talked about about sort of things like that i think yeah. it would be a great idea to sort of end things on a, a positive note oh yep so we've we've talked about um we've, we've talked about sort of our our experience leading up to diagnosis and we've gone uh -huh. into the things that made us yeah. think about diagnosis um so let's talk so about, we, so about post-diagnosis yeah and i think right. um as a possible thing is maybe we should talk a bit about our friendship and how it grew because i think that would be quite positive and yeah quite fun. yeah definitely yeah cool yeah. Yeah. Um because I would definitely say that was part of my um that was definitely part of my post diagnosis uh it was. I, I yeah, don't want to say I don't, I, was... say I don't want to say healing and make it sound a bit like you know airy, airy fairy. Oh, but okay. yeah, it's yeah. acceptance, I suppose would be the right word. Yeah, too much pressure um, on me as an individual that I was part of your healing process. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, yeah, I think um I think what was particularly interesting was so um me and Isaac we kind of knew each other. We were kind of acquaintances because we both lived in Dundee. We were both into yeah. theatre. So we crossed paths. In, we'd we'd in, been in the place. same youth theatre before. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, and we I were, think, I, I'm pretty sure we'd met a couple of times outside of that as well for varying reasons. I think we probably did too. Yeah, I, I want to say that you, you've you been, you were you were in a couple of, of places with mutual friends and things like that, but I can't remember off the top of my head exactly. That would make sense. I mean, yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so we kind of knew each other, but we properly sort of met, I think, um, with sort of a capital M, if you like, um, in sort of college when we did the yeah. same course. So I did the NC, gone into HNC, and, and Isaac arrived um, in HNC. So that's kind of second year of the course. Um, yeah, and I think by that point, I had already known that I was autistic for about three or four years, yeah. give or take. Um, and yeah, and I think, I think when I sort of knew Isaac then, I think he always, as you sort of said, I think he always knew that he probably was. Um, yeah. That, yeah. In, in, in 2017, when we'd started, um, I hadn't actually received the official diagnosis yet. We were still waiting for yeah. that. Um, <laughs> it wasn't actually until the, literally the last week of, of, of that particular year that I got a letter in the mail saying, oh my God, we are so sorry. Uh, we lost your initial letter. Uh, would you come and see us immediately? And that was that was it. That was that was half an hour. I think we were in that room, and I, I came out with the diagnosis. Um, oh. But it, but that was that was definitely the year where I'd I'd accepted it. I'd I'd started mm -hmm. learning to accept it. Yeah. And yeah. I'd 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 done my research. I'd found um, I'd I'd found people who had the same experience, and lo and behold. <laughs> I just happened to be in the same uh, same class as someone who had also as, as someone who, because obviously there's there's that disconnect between things that yeah. you read online and and knowing someone personally. And lo and behold, there yeah. you were, you know. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, yeah. I've just I think for me, I think something that's quite special is is I don't. And this, oh god, I'm gonna get cheesy, and it's gonna be horrible. Oh, I'm I'm cringing already. Ah, oh, um, yeah. But like one thing that I think is interesting is is I don't think that I've necessarily met someone who I'm on the same wavelength that I can with with you. It's yeah. a very different wavelength, and it's a very you know, um, and I, and I think it is because 
while obviously every diagnosis is different and every autistic person is different, I feel like our diagnoses are very similar. We're, we're both mm. high-functioning or Asperger's. It's, or, it's, it's interesting because it's, it's almost like a language of its own in a lot of ways because... <laughs> You know, you you talk about people who are autistic uh, and and have difficulty reading body language and things like that. But sometimes there are just looks and expressions. And yeah, even sometimes I know I'm a little bit guilty of this, but even sometimes the way people shift their weight. Yeah. And you can just tell what someone's thinking or or how they're feeling. And it's a very having not been able to do that. Yeah. Very well with other people. It's but a very like, surreal experience. But then I think also it's, I mean, I, I don't know if this ever happened with us. I, I have a feeling it might have, but almost like where you kind of, there's that look of, did you understand that? No. Okay, cool. Like, yeah. you know. Um, oh, yes. Yeah. I, I, can, um, I, can, I, can, I can't think of any specific No, I can't instances. either. But well, I, I, I do, I can think of definite scenarios where that will have yeah. happened. Almost. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh, there was also, God, this is getting quite um, sentimental now, but there was the, oh, um, uh, oh, what did we call it? The Beyonce horse. Do you want to talk about the Beyonce horse? Oh <laughs> no, it's the Tory horses. Oh, it's the Tory horses. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. But it, it started with Beyonce and it turned it into did, the Tory yes, horses. It did, yes, that was it. It was yes, sing- yeah. We were doing, sing- for some weird reason, we ended up doing single ladies. Yeah. And then we we both, we never had to say a word to each other, but it ended up, that we, we ended up like pretending to be horses. And then for some bizarre reason, we were talking like we were incredibly posh people doing fox hunts or something. Yep, yep. But um, it was... It, yeah. it sounds bizarre and it sounds weird and it sounds like something kids would do and blah 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 but it's I mean, yeah. just interesting that yes it was sort of in in that particular moment it was interesting because you know other, other people externally might have just been like what the what is going on there yeah but it was a weird sort of yeah, I think yeah. I think it was a combination of autism and theatre student, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. um, it was, yeah, because quite often what would happen is, um, is you know, they'd be that period of time when Alexa would come in and those times were always wild. There was balls being thrown about. I think I got injured there were, there were balls, in my time. Bottles. Yeah. Yeah, I got I just think, I just think first year, we but... ended up doing we ended up doing some sort of weird tribal dance. Around, oh my god! Around yeah. the boxes, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, that's not anyway. really anything to do with autism, but that's just to show yeah, sort of the, the, the craziness of theatre. Typical, students. typical theatre student stuff. Basically, I say. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a there's a video of that somewhere as well of us um, um, jumping over chairs and doing some yes. sort of yeah. It was very bizarre. Um, but yeah, yeah, anyway. But yeah, but I think sort of on this kind of note and obviously we've kind of gone a bit sort of sentimental um hopefully that's all right with you listeners um but um it may happen a lot but yeah it probably might um but i think just kind of taking it more to the sort of topic i think i think it's in some ways i think it's important i don't want to say that it's important to find someone like that because i feel like sometimes you know, some of our listeners might not be able to have someone like that in their life or just yeah. might not have someone like that in their life. But I think finding those connections with people um, is important. Mm. Um, and yeah, I, I think 
I think having having said that, it's I I can definitely think of quite a few experiences that I've had with with everybody in that class. I would say yeah, to an extent, yeah. Um, yeah. where sort of the walls have kind of come down, and I've been able to just be me. Mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah. Um, yeah, and, I think yeah, I think it's... I think overall with everyone's flaws, I think it was kind of a good bunch of people that that we had in there. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, I think, oh, I was going to say something else. What was it? Um, oh no, it's got out of my mind now. It doesn't matter. It's all right. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, in, in, in terms of, I, th- I think we originally were going to talk about like in, in terms of the support we'd received post-diagnosis. Um, mm. <laughs> I think that was the topic. It, it was. Yeah. Yeah. And, we've, and, we've... and I mean, yeah, that, that was, that was a very key uh, how very, very autistic of, of us yeah, yeah. It, it was a very different type of support um but to talk about the sort of the formal support i suppose mm. would be the word i suppose yeah um, yeah i i was very fortunate enough to and I, I i hate saying things like this but to know people quote unquote yeah who knew, who knew people so <laughs> I, I was i was very lucky to have someone who was working with me on a one-to-one basis yeah um uh privately i i will i will state for the record mr judge uh, but um but also as well as that there were um one of the things i, I was offered as part of the the post diagnostic support was um was group sessions uh with mm-hmm. with other people who were also had also been very recently diagnosed Oh, um, I don't know. This was a thing at college, so I'm intrigued. Yeah, oh no, no, no! This this is part of the NHS, not as part. Oh, of right. College. Okay, right. Cool. Um, that's fine then. <laughs> yeah, I, I should have stated that. Um, oh, that's that, okay. was, that was that was one of the things I was offered, um, and that was that was really good for me because obviously it was it was a uh, it was that thing again of of meeting different people. Um, yeah. Who who were who were like me, and not yeah. like me. Um, yeah and and just having that thing of you know this i'd always had the vague idea of what autism was but obviously having someone sit down and explain to you you know this is this is how things may be this is yeah yeah um and having other people share those experiences Mm -hmm. that they'd had as well um was was really valuable to me yeah um and again, that's that's part of that's one of the reasons why I, I, I'm I'm so keen on doing a podcast like this is because I, I found that to be really helpful. Um, yeah, yeah, totally, totally. I mean, I would agree with that as well. Um, I've remembered what I was going to say, so that's that's good. Is that sort of I think one thing um, that um, me and Isaac. I think kind of makes our friendship quite interesting, Isaac. Um, and I think I think you'll be able to find these in, in those groups that you were talking about. But I think being able to sort of find the humour of autism, um, because because I yeah. do kind of find like a lot of it. I think autism can be a very fun and or funny experience sometimes, you know, where where it's, it's you know it, because it you're seeing the world so rapidly yeah it prides itself on being surreal i would think if, if yeah it was, yeah if it was if if autism was a person and it was a comedian it would it would be surreal it would be a surrealist comedian 
yeah yeah definitely yeah and i think and i think sort of i think part of the reason why i think you know we have that connection eyes that i don't feel agree is because i think we were both able to sort of see that surreal yeah. nature of it yeah and kind of have fun with the fact that yeah that that I pretty sure was, you know, like like there was a time on on a bus to a trip somewhere, I think, and we and we managed to, you know, we, we were having a conversation without even having a conversation or or something bizarre like that, like weird, oh yes, weird uh, moments. I can't remember what the trip trip was for the life. No, of me. but I, I think we were trying to do like an absurdist play. So I mean, I, I think kind of like moments like that, and if you can find moments like that, or you have moments like that, then I think my advice to you is kind of enjoy that and, and enjoy the quirkiness that it brings oh yeah um because don't get me wrong and i think you know we we all have um experienced the more negative side of things and mm. having to deal with a meltdown or or in public and having to lock yourself in or stop it or being in uncomfortable situations but i think when you're in those comfortable situations when you're around people that that you can be quirky with or where your quirkiness works, then enjoy it. Cause I think it's, it's a yeah. really fabulous thing. Um, and I guess kind of on a similar vein, I think for me, autism is brilliant in terms of my creativity. And I think I wouldn't be oh yeah the person that I am in terms of that creativity. If I didn't have autism. Um, it's, it's one thing that people have always said to me is that I, and again, this is going to be tooting your own horn territory. Um, but it is, is something that people have, have always said to me is just that I have a very interesting way of connecting things. Mm. Yeah. And it's it's been immensely useful in creativity mm. because yeah. I I have a one of my really, really strong interests is in words. I really like words. Yeah. Um I mean, they make up the vast majority of the language that I understand. Yeah. Um, the other 80% being body language or some statistic like that. Yeah. So they, they particularly interest me, but like, it's... Nope, I've lost it. No. <laughs> but no, no, I mean, I, mean, I, I, I agree remember with that. I, I think, about that. Yeah, I think kind of on a similar strain. I think I'm into words as well, but I, I always feel like you've been better at words and finding those connections like you were saying. Oh, that was um, it. The, cre the creativity element of things. Yeah. Um, it's helped immensely academically. Uh, yeah. Um, when, when, I've, when I've not been struggling um, yeah. is, is, is the thing. It's like... Yeah, yeah, I think something that I've kind of found, because um, I'm sort of now currently studying um, theatre in, in York, um, in the University of York, um, and I think one thing that I've sort of found is that a lot of my idea, I always manage to find weird angles on things um, or kind of, you know, I mean, I mean, I, I never really know what my peers are also writing, so I might be completely wrong, but, but the kind of, but the kind of idea that I get is that I, yeah, it's, I find like really bizarre ways of, of thinking about things or I, or, or I have a very particular thought process on something. Hmm. Um, and I think that's also really helped me sort of academically. Um, the stress and stuff is always an issue, but I think... And, and it always will be. Yeah. So but I think I'll it's, always say is it, it yeah. always will be for me, but, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I'm aware of it. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that's the main thing. I think it's about being aware of it. Um, 
it's become quite a joke um, in my peer group in uni where well I've said oh you know I'm I'm really behind on work and then my friends have said to me yeah but Finn you behind on work is that it's not next week and you've not started next week well we're still doing next week's work yeah. and, and it's the weekend um, but I think kind of the reason kind of for that is because and it's the same with essays like when I write essays I start them you know about at least a month before um, because I because I know I've experienced I think the first essay I ever writ, um, ever writ, ever wrote um, for um, um, university I ended up having to postpone um, which I can sort of do because of my study plan because I got so stressed I couldn't do it yeah. um, so I think it's about finding what works for you and finding those sort of moments um, but I think also just sort of round up sort of everything I think kind of on this sort of topic of creativity I think for me I think and, and I never really know if this is an autistic thing or not but I've always been able to to make stories um, and I'm sort of interested in writing and creating and all that stuff and I think whenever someone sort of says to me they can't think of a story or they can't be creative it's the most alien thing to me because I could I have this sort of thing that uh, this little rant that I go on about people um, where I basically say that you can tell a story about a speck of dust. Yeah. If, if you are the right storyteller and you tell it in the right way, you can make one of the greatest stories about a speck of dust. Um, and I think a prime example of that is Pixar. I think Pixar are brilliant at that. Yeah. You know, they, I mean, I bet you if Pixar got the right writer and they could easily tell a story about a speck of dust and it, and we'd all cry. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So I, so I think that's kind of how I manifest my sort of, creative side and my autistic side is that I I wish I I didn't think of an idea every day but on most days I do so yeah okay um yeah so yeah I, I think that's a really good note to end things on yeah yeah um, yeah totally um yeah I, we've, I so, don't know exactly how long we've been talking for but I don't know exactly either but um, I mean this um <clears throat> podcast has been a little bit more tangenty Yep. Um, and we've we, kind of we gone expected it to be. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. We're, we're we're trying to to sort of share a bit more about ourselves so that yes, you can understand yeah, exactly. the angle that we're coming yeah. from in future episodes. Yeah. Um, and I um, think also um, what we might try and do is, is sort of as we try and find our feet, we might sort of do a bit of both. Um, yeah. Sort of I personally, you know, I personally kind of like the idea of kind of maybe doing more conversational ones where we do this or we talk about topics or things that have come up, um, and then obviously we can do the more sort of semi-serious kind of talking about particular topics um yes. but as always um let us know um yeah what what you want and um yeah but yeah um thank you very much yeah thank you for listening and we we hope that again this has been a, a very in, informative and explorative um uh episode um and we we hope that you decide to stick with us in the future and yeah you know, all, all that jazz um yeah and um just sort of ride our, our crazy thought trains about anxiety and um and friendship and what yep. else we can and everything in between yeah that I might mean, be a fun podcast as well we just talk to each other about our just, about our obsessions talk. yeah and see um, if you'd like if you'd like to hear that, just hear that. oh i yeah. would love to do an episode on obsessions i oh no it, <laughs> It would, it would, it, well, it, it, it would be a full-blown HBO Max 
10 yeah. seasons 20 episodes yeah. each your saga you're the I, editor I so i don't i really don't mind. you don't have to worry about that <laughs> yeah. so anyway yeah. so yeah th- thank you everyone for listening again yeah, thank you and, very much and i i guess we'll call that to um so yeah so see you next time Thank you.